Hello, this is Hope, and you're listening to Covert Castaway. Welcome to my weekly diary of what I learn and how I cope with transitioning to life as a liveaboard cruiser. I recently had a chance to have a conversation with Sophie from Ryan and Sophie Sailing, who I just adore. She gives some great advice about making the transition to live aboard sailing, what she's learned navigating relationship dynamics on a boat, and gives her thoughts about how to get the most out of the cruising lifestyle. So I'm here with Sophie from Sophie and Ryan. And I'm so excited to talk to you today about your journey and uh, what you guys have been doing. So maybe get started. Can you just kind of talk about where you are now and um, where you are in your adventure? Yeah. So right now I am sitting at the marina in Pointe-à-Pitre in Guadeloupe in the French islands. Uh, It is very unusual that we're at the marina, but Ryan had to take a meeting in Stockholm. So he flew yesterday and he's about to arrive now. So I'm about to spend a week on my own at the boat. Uh, It's very hot, very hot where I am. (laughs) You know, I wanted to just talk to you today about your own transition. Um, The followers of this podcast are interested in hearing about the transition to boat life and living aboard Mm -hmm. and making the change. Take me back when you and Ryan sort of decided to take on this adventure. You know, what were the Mm -hmm. factors in play? Like, how did you decide? And then, you know, were you working and, and what you know, what did you have to think through in order to make the final decision to do it? So I think that uh, we can't really talk about this without the origin story, uh, which happened just a couple of months after Ryan and I met. Uh, We met on Tinder back in March 2015. So that was uh, almost, that was five years ago now. At that time, Ryan and I had corporate jobs. Uh, We were both working with sales um, and we were both really sporty. So I was, I had just signed up for doing an Ironman and Ryan was training for a Stockholm Marathon. Wow. And, <laughs> and Ryan was flying to Des Moines um, for some family business. And he was right in the middle of training for a Stockholm Marathon and on what was going to be his very last long run, a 30 kilometers run. Wow. Ryan encountered wow. a goose that had babies and that didn't take... Uh, a liking to Ryan and attacked him, resulting oh, no. in Ryan broke it, breaking his shoulder. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> yeah, which uh, to this day is a story that make everybody laughs. It's like, how, did you break your? How did you get your shoulder broken? I, I was attacked <laughs> by a goose. Uh, <laughs> and at that time, none of my friends had met Ryan. So when I when I told them that, oh, like you're not going to be able to meet Ryan before a little while because he broke his shoulder because he was attacked by a goose. But anyways, and at that time, so he was he was training really hard. He was also about to um, climb a big mountain in Nepal, uh, Chohayu. I think that it's one of the like tallest mountains in the world. Wow, those and, are positions. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And. Well, with his shoulder broken, everything came uh, pretty much crashing down. Um, and I think that anyone who sustains a big injury, especially when you're a very active person, can relate to uh, how much of your identity yeah, exactly. is like put into question when you can't use you can't use your body the way that yeah. you are used to. 
And so Ryan was on sick leave. He wasn't working. He was at home and he was browsing the internet. And he stumbled upon an article talking about how a couple about our age had sold their house and all their belongings to go sail around the world. Mm-hmm. And he texted me. I still have screenshots of those text messages. Oh, no way. Like, I do. They're on our website. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was like, hey, I read this article. It's about two people their are age. They sold everything. They bought a sailboat. They went around. Uh, they went around the world. And immediately, I said, "I'd do it. I will do that." Did you sail it all before? No. No. Okay. No, I, I did. I did not. <laughs> Never been on a boat before. Um, but it's all you know. Sometimes in life, it's all about it's all about timing. And I think that at that time, Ryan was thinking about what was the next step for him, and. I was myself in a place in life where I was very much looking for the next step. Yeah. For me, leading a big adventure was always part of what I wanted to do in life. Right. And it wasn't really hard to imagine myself doing that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But doing it with someone that I had met on Tinder three months before. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, and, and yeah, without knowing how to sail. I mean, Ryan didn't know how to sail either, for that matter. It was it was a little far-fetched. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's so funny. I can relate because actually my husband and I met on Match. And um, things oh, cool. pretty quickly once we once we met. And I kept thinking, like, am I crazy? Am I going to be on 48 hours, you know, in six months from now? He's yeah. like, six other states or something, you know? Yeah, so yeah. it's weird. And then you tell your friends, oh, you're going to, you know, move in together. You're going to do these big adventures. And people think you're nuts, you know? You know? That's right. Exa- exactly. Um, and that's exactly what happened. Like, I don't think that my friends even <laughs> met Ryan when I told them, uh, I think like we have this idea that we're going to go sail the world together. And obviously everybody laughed at me. <laughs> but, you know, every crazy idea, it needs to start somewhere. It needs exactly. to start one way or another. Exactly. Um, big changes like have their origins and I guess that that was that was ours yeah so you were both working and so you you sort of made this decision you said yes let's do it so how long did it take from like what what was the timeline you you made the decision and then there was some transition period or you went right away yes so I mean we were not gonna just buy a boat and go sail the world there were like a lot of things that needed to happen before that yeah um and I think that we never we never really made a hard plan with really hard deadlines. The plan changed about a thousand times. At first, we thought that maybe we were going to do this for a year. Um, so we were going to take a, a sailing course mm-hmm. and then we were going to buy a boat. We were going to do an Atlantic circuit, uh, which is going from Europe to the Caribbean and back uh, over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. And then we were going to resume our lives. That was the original idea. and. You know, it, things changed and the plans morphed and our relationship uh, grew. And yeah, like we, we took just small steps. Um, never really had a, a four years planned. I, four years ago, you had told me that I would be sitting here in Guadeloupe talking to you. Um, yeah. I, I, would have, I would have had no clue. But we took small steps. Um, and as long as the small step would feel good, we would continue and take the next one. Uh-huh. So um, when you were 
kind of preparing and I guess learning to sail, you, you must have taken some trips together and stuff at that point early on. Um, did you guys instantly see eye to eye on things or um, was it a process for you? I'm learning a lot through this process about my relationship, by the way, which is why I ask. <laughs> I, I, am, I am sure. Uh, it's Our blessing with Ryan is that we had no idea what we were about to do. Mm-hmm. And so we learned almost everything at the same time together. So it really gave us a chance to discuss through like all the steps of the plans and, and what we wanted to do. Uh, what we came to realize after a while is that in this adventure, Ryan and I have like very different interests. I love to um, talk about the destinations and the people that we're going to meet and our plans. And then filming came as, as a part of it as well. Whereas Ryan really is into the sailing. He loves to operate the boat. He loves to um, upgrade the boat. He loves to maintain, take care of it. Um, so, and everything that Ryan does, I don't really, I don't really touch. I don't really have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, he will ask me sometimes for my opinion and, and I'll give him. But most of the time he does his own thing and, and I do my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn a lot um, from each other. Mm-hmm. But there's been very few times when we haven't been in tune with the plan or what so we want to do. Yeah, so you've sort of found a natural division of labor. It just sort of evolved that way. And, um, yeah, it, it yeah. just happened. Yeah, okay. Before you got on the boat to cast off, did you, have, did you talk about your biggest fears or worries? Um, or you know, what were they in your, in your heart at the time? My fears have changed a lot since we started i think that when we started to uh when we didn't even know how to sail my biggest fear were the big ships like yeah. the big cargoes the tankers and i i didn't want to get close to them at all turned out we learned how to sail in the one spot of the world where there is the heaviest ship's traffic <laughs> which is which is gibraltar there's like exposure therapy we talk extensively about our fears and that's something that i really admire with ryan about how he's able to um introspect mm-hmm. and our our fears look very different he was very afraid of leaving our hometown mm-hmm. which is it's not even a hometown. It's an adoptive hometown. Um, I am French. Ryan is American. We lived uh, in Sweden for the last 10 years and we made a base in, in Stockholm, but we don't have family there. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of friends and uh, those friendships that we have back home, they're really deep mm-hmm. because when you're an expat, your friends become your family. They're the people yeah. that you call when you're in trouble or when you need help. Uh, or when you want to share something really, really good. So leaving Stockholm was really difficult. Ren was very emotional about it, and he was really scared that we were never going to come back. I did not have those fears. I was, I was scared of failing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, was, I was scared that, you know, six months down the road, we, real, we would realize that this boat life was too hard for us, too hard on us, that our relationship was going to take a major hit that we were never going to be able to recover from. Um, and that, those, were, those were my fears at the time, back almost two years ago when we left. Mm-hmm. And especially for a new relationship, you know, to dive into something that ambitious, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it probably put you in situations that you didn't expect, right? 
Well, you know, at the time that we left, because it took us about two years, three years actually, between the time that we came up with the idea and the time that we actually left, uh, our relationship had evolved a lot. And we had, uh, we had time to, well, learn how to sail. We had quit our jobs. We had moved in together. We had sold an apartment. We had moved into another apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, went through, uh, I went through therapy. Uh, we went through therapy. And so by the time that we had left the dock, we were at a such different place in our relationship. The fears were, were still there because you don't know what it is that you're going to find on the other side yeah. six months down the road. But we, were, we knew each other on a, on a much different level. And I'm really, I'm really glad that we took that time actually to uh, get to know each other a little better before yeah. we left. So let's just go back quickly. So what did your parents think of this whole plan? Oh God. (laughs) (laughs) What did they say? Um, Okay. So my parents are live in Brittany, back in France, where I come from. Oh, nice. And and I had moved to Paris to study. Then I moved to Sweden. I became a Swedish citizen. I had learned to speak Swedish. And at the time that I told my parents, I think they were going to buy a boat and we're going to sail around the world. My parents were like, oh, okay. (laughs) They were used to... We're used to the craziness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's cool. Yeah. That's sort of how my and, parents were too. Um, okay. We're, we're, I guess that's what you're doing, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, so, I don't think that they're related to what it exactly was going to be. Have they visited you on the boat yet? Uh, no, they have not. But um, because my hometown is between Stockholm and, well, the places where we wanted to sail, essentially. Um, I took my boat to my hometown and that was, that was exceptional. That was a pretty incredible feeling. Um, I think both for me and for my parents. So my, my, the, my parents didn't come to my boat, but the boat came to my family and that was pretty cool. So, um, what degree did you cut the lines? You know, did you, you said you sold an apartment and and you still had belongings and you know, you mentioned Ryan has an interest in some day maybe coming back. Did you put your stuff in storage or did you sell everything and just move on? So that's, we never really cut the line because, uh, yeah, as I mentioned before, we really took small steps. And when we left Stockholm, we were like, all right, we're going to leave Stockholm. We're going to do this for six months. And then we're going to see maybe after six months, we want to come back. Mm-hmm. So we, I sold my apartment because financially it made more sense to get rid of the debt. I had the biggest debt on my apartment. Mm-hmm. And we rented out Ryan's apartment in which we lived at that time uh, for six months mm-hmm. uh, with possibility for our tenants to prolong the contract. And our apartment comes with a storage space. Mm-hmm. So we partly rented the apartment furnished and then the rest of our stuff went in the storage space. Mm-hmm. And to this day, the apartment is still rented out. It's been two years, <laughs> okay. and our stuff is still in Stockholm. So, but so you, in a in a scenario, you have the ability to come back and re-enter. That's right. Yeah. Now it's been two years, and the plan has changed a lot. Obviously, after six months, we did not decide that it was not for us, and that we were going to come back. Instead, last year we decided to cross the Atlantic. Yeah, and we are now on the other side of an ocean, and yeah, our 
our plans have changed a lot. We're like, okay, how long can we rent out the apartment for? Because it is so convenient to have it rented, rented out. It leads me to kind of to the next thought, which is, you know, I, I got really, a lot of the fears I had was about if something really bad happened and you cut the lines and sold everything and, and you're on this boat, but you have to come back for some reason. And so I, yeah. I really obsessed a lot about, you know, the, the financial aspects of this whole plan, you know, like how, yeah. what's going to happen and, you know, what happens 10 years from now when we want to retire and we've been out of jobs for, right. you know, and, and you're kind of, obs- I, I was kind of obsessive about it, honestly. And some people yes. just, you know, just leave and don't worry about it. And, and so yeah. I wanted to understand your perspective, you guys' perspective on that. Yeah. So that's the thing. I think that a lot, when a lot of people look at this lifestyle, they imagine themselves that you need to cut everything. Like yeah. you need to get rid of your former life to step in the new one. But you don't have to do that. And if having a safety net is important for you, uh, it's definitely something that is going to make you go into this adventure um, a lot more um, content and safe. And you're going to feel a lot, a lot more positive about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we never really cut the line. We didn't sell everything everything that we own yeah. uh we still very much have the apartment and uh, we have we have savings we have a little bit of capital mm-hmm. um so we know that financially we are okay and if something really were to happen we have the means to go back to our lives yeah now my biggest and it's it's a huge it's still a worry to this day was with my career mm. oh my when God. i left we yes, should when I left, just about this topic because I I totally feel the same way. Yeah. So how did you um, make that change? How did you feel? So that? here's the here's the thing. I I come from a background in marketing and communications, which is it's what I love doing. I'm so passionate about it. Uh, but when I moved to Sweden, I had to switch career a little bit, and I started to sell HR systems. I I don't know how it happened. I slipped on the banana peel. And I ended up in HR IT systems. I didn't really enjoy it, if I'm honest with myself, but I came to this place where I was knowledgeable about it. I was really good at my job and I was making a really good salary. And and when I quit it and I started sailing and now I live by making videos of our adventures, which uh, it's... It's not a, a career path that is, how can I put it? Um, the return on investment know, of making yeah. videos, of creating content <laughs> isn't the most profitable, but it's, it's a topic for, yeah, for another time. But yeah. A lot, of, a lot of time I ask myself, man, if tomorrow we, are, we stop this, what do I do? What do I do? Do I go back to work? What kind of work am I going to find? It's, uh, I have... Yeah, a lot of time, all these questions, like really, they become really real when you're out there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to talk more about that um, at another time. That's such an interesting topic. I had a lot of anxiety um, as well about, you know, I, yes. I, you know almost 30 but years there is a, career. And then you, you basically have to wrap your head around the thought of just stopping. You know, it's just a weirdest. Yes. It's like an identity crisis for me a little bit. Yes. Uh, absolutely absolutely there is a silver lining though and it is that when you spend a lot of time doing something that is really meaningful to you and that you really enjoy and you feel that your life has meaning you are going to find 
the things, like the things that are yours and things that maybe can become a new career path or um, you're, be, become creative about a way to make an income. And my horizons have really broadened. Maybe they have broadened so much that I don't know what it is that I would do if I were to go back to land, mm-hmm. but they're very broad. <laughs> and, and I think opportunities find you when you're open to more things, you know? So, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. Just changing topics. So in your, in your adventures, um, I don't know, maybe six or eight months ago, you had this burn situation happen on the boat. <clears throat> and, right. Uh, you know, I was reflecting on that because at that time, my husband and I were sort of talking through our risk management strategy, you know, and, and kind right. of talking through, okay, so what are our standard procedures? And, um, and the reason is because he has a higher risk tolerance than I have on the boat on land. Our rules are reversed, but on the boat, oh. I'm a little bit more conservative and he's a former yeah. racer. So he can, he can get Ooh. aggressive. <laughs> and so I wanted to get on the same page. Like, okay, when do we reef exactly? You know, like so, things like this, right? So okay. during that, during that episode, you know, we were going through that process, which was, it was great because it, it created, you know, an environment for us to kind of talk about these things. So for you guys, do you have the same level of risk tolerance and how do you think about, I know you had procedures for instance, around the boiling water and stuff like that, but, right. um, you know, do you kind of prepare together or are you on the same page on risk tolerance or how does that work? On most topic. Yes. Um, we, Ryan and I are very conservative when it comes to safety and risk management. Ryan is a former fighter pilot. Uh, he was militarily trained mm-hmm. uh, into, like, into risk management and, and navigation and uh, operating extremely expensive piece of equipment. Yeah. Um, from the get-go, Ryan and I were very safety-oriented. And we still, we have points that where we don't agree, but our standard is to go to what makes the other person safer without like, and it's not going to put the boat at risk. So for example, um, there was a time in our lives when Ryan and I like kind of picked and choose when we would put the life jacket on Yeah, and it would be a subject of discussion. And when I would say, okay, Ryan, bickering, you know, like, oh no, I'm not right. Oh yes, we need to put it on. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So when I would say, okay, Ryan, now I think that it's time to put our life jackets on. Um, there would be, there would be no discussion because putting your life jacket on is not going to put the boat at risk or yourself at risk. And it makes the other person feel safer. It creates a, like a, a better atmosphere for everybody on board and yeah, it doesn't create any bad situation. Mm-hmm. Same thing with reefing. Um, when one of us wants to reef, there is no downside to reefing. So mm-hmm. we just do it. Um, mm-hmm. It makes the other person feel a little bit better, a little more comfortable, and we can move forward without like having a big fight about it. Yeah, that's a good philosophy. Um, I'll have to have my husband listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting yeah, I, think, I think you know I think he just he has more experience so he's more comfortable and yeah. uh, I still get a little I can get a little anxious and but I liked the rule you know you you guys just put your your life vests on and there's no question about it they're just on yes I really yes like yeah yes you know I was I was talking to a friend of ours because um, we're known for being very conservative amongst our friends <laughs> And another rule that we have is that at night, we're always tethered. 
um, it's it's not a question. We're always tethered, and it's not really for the person who is tethered in the cockpit and on watch. It's for the person who's sleeping down below. Mm-hmm. It's for that person who's sleeping yeah. to know that when she or he gets up, there is going to be someone else in the cockpit, or th- that person is not going to have disappeared. Right. I mean, it is. I I, ha- I had this really huge bit of anxiety on this thought once thinking, okay, he's going to be up there and I'm going to be down below, but what if something happens to him? And I mean, you couldn't yes. sleep, you know? So yes. yeah. I, I know exactly the feeling. And that's why I know that Ryan will be tethered because we've done this for two years now, but every time I go to bed, first off, I sleep on the, the city, which gives me um, a view of the cockpit. So I always see Ryan. And before I fall asleep, I ask him, Ryan, are you tethered? And he says, yes. And then I can sleep. If you remember the first year kind of on this adventure, um, what were the biggest things that, um, what was that transition period like? And (gasps) what I hear from people is in that first year, you sort of figure out what your cruising style is. And maybe you can share your thoughts on that. We did not figure out what our our cruising style was going to be in the first year because it has changed for every season uh, that we've done, Ryan and I. Um, the first the first six months, we transported the boat from Stockholm to northern Spain, and we were just sailing. We were doing two to three days passages from uh, point A to point B so that we could reach the Med by the fall to winterize the, the boat in the fall. Mm-hmm. The transition period, though, what I've learned is uh, it's very tiring. It is so, so, so tiring. You're so sleep-deprived. A big life change uh, takes a lot of energy. You know, you have to adapt to everything. And moving on a boat, uh, everything changes in your life. The way that you sleep, the way that you eat, the way that you move, the way that you do groceries, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Every week with Ryan on our first six months, we we were hitting a new country. (laughs) Germany, Holland, Belgium, France, Spain, Denmark. So the, the way that we did grocery changed um everything was extremely tiring Mm -hmm. that is also the time we figured out that most of the fights that we had were due to us being really exhausted and really tired um when i look back at that period that's that's what i remember the most it's not really how we made our cruising style because it's still changing a lot um, it was more about how tiring everything was. Yeah. And you have to go through that. Mm-hmm. There is no, it has, it has to happen. You know, your body has to adjust. Um, so yeah, it's, that's, that's what I remember the most. If you think back on that, maybe the first six months leading into your transition to living aboard, and then maybe the first six months on the boat living aboard, do you look back mm-hmm. now and say, wow, I, I shouldn't have been worried about that at the time? Yes. Um, the finances Mm. are, it's funny. I have to one day take our old spreadsheet of what we thought, what we thought things would cost and (laughs) what it actually ended up costing. Higher or lower? (laughs) (laughs) It is ridiculous. Oh my God. You would laugh so much if you saw like, yeah, if you saw the comparison, we thought that everything was going to be much more expensive than they actually turned out to be. On some points we were right, on some points we had underestimated, but on other points we were like, oh my God, how did we think that we were going to spend like 600 euros a month in food? That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's good news. I mean, maybe you can look at my spreadsheet and make me feel better. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's do a comparison of spreadsheet. I would love that. <laughs> so you were delighted to find that, that some things didn't cost as much as you thought. And I think it depends on, on you know, what you want to do. I mean, there's some people that kind of go crazy and live the yachty lifestyle. And some people it's more like, you know, glamorized, uh, glamorous camping, you know? So yes, yes, it just depends. It is, it is what you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan and I like to now and then go eat out. Uh, we also like to uh, not count too much on what we spend on, on groceries. I'm probably a little more conservative than Ryan on that. But uh, for us, food is very important. For me, food is very important. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, but we don't, really, we don't like to go to marinas. Um, and yeah, like we've made a lot of tweaks in, uh, on our boat and in our lives to manage our budget a little better while we're out at sea, you learn very quickly what's going to make you um, economically more uh, efficient. Okay, and then um, another thing that's super interesting to me because uh, my husband and I are both US uh, citizens and then he's a dual citizen. You know, we're sort of thinking through all these, you know, visa challenges and different things. And um, I think, are you both uh, expats? We, uh, we were both Swedish citizens, which has been great when we were cruising in the European Union, which we still are because we are in the French islands. So wow. technically, we're still in the European Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so we never had to uh, really check in in a country when we were sailing between Stockholm down, um, like when we were cruising the Med. Uh, it all started now that we have crossed the Atlantic when we had to check into uh, Cape Verde, uh, Morocco, uh, or some of those destinations. We haven't really hit um, visas issues in terms of the countries that we want to visit. Our issues are on a way different level. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, so we are in the Caribbean and we're not going to be able to stay in the Caribbean over the summer for insurance reasons. The hurricane season is very real. Mm -hmm. And the question is, do we want to go South or do we want to go North? Um, Obviously uh, Ryan would really like to go to the U S I would really like to go to the U S. Unfortunately, I, when I tried to apply for a B1 visa, which would allow me to enter the United States on my uh, sailboat, I was denied that visa. Oh, no. And in the meantime, my ESTA, which is my visa waiver, was revoked. So I currently have no means of going to the U.S. Hmm. But for now, we're really in this, in this catch-22. And we're like, all right, where do we go? Yeah. Um, how do we do this? Because uh, to apply for a visa, you need to go to a U.S. embassy, which... Um, you know, there are not a lot of U.S. embassies around the Caribbean. Yeah. I'm going to have to travel someplace. It's uh, probably going to cost us a lot of money. We're not guaranteed that I will be uh, allowed that, to have that visa. So that's, that's the kind of issue that we face as, um, as, a, as an international couple yeah. right yeah. now. Yeah, visas are a pain in the butt. Um, that's what yeah. I'm getting a sense of from everybody I talk to about this topic. So thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So is there any other advice you would share with other women, you know, taking this on with their partners? I mean, it really depends on where you come from. Um, I know from experience and from having met a lot of people that a lot of women have followed their husband or their boyfriend on something that was their, the dream of their lives and they've had to adapt. Some other have come from a completely different place of being sailor themselves. 
And I think that for older women out there whose husband has this dream of going to sail the world, I would really encourage everyone to look at what it is that you're going to get out of it. Like, mm -hmm. how, how is this going to impact your life in a positive way? Mm -hmm. And what does it mean, okay, socially or in terms of cultural experiences? And not a lot of people talk about that. I don't think that a lot of people talk about how amazing um, the destinations that you're teaching are and how those destinations are really hard to access um, by plane or, you know, by tourism. Yeah. Right. Um, another thing that I was, that Ryan and I were worried about was our social life. And oh my, <laughs> oh my, were we wrong? Um, especially here in the Caribbean, for every anchorage that we've arrived at, we have made amazing friends. Uh, we have made more friends in the last year and a half that we've been cruising than for the last 11 years that we lived in Stockholm. Mm -hmm. uh, and we now have literally friends, like literally all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, and that is something that is absolutely unique to this lifestyle. It's absolutely unique to, uh, to sailing. Um, and that is, that is not something that you would imagine that you get when your husband tells, tells you that he really wants to go sail the world. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember, you know, when we were first talking about it, um, which is actually our very first date is when we were talking about uh, sailing, because he was telling me about his Oh, wow. Dreams. Yeah. Um, we, he, he was like, well, you know, I have this dream someday of sailing around the world. And I'm like, wow, that sounds like a really cool idea. Not because I, you know, liked sailing so much. I like camping. I like traveling. I like visiting. Yeah. I like experiencing new things. I like problem solving, you know. It just sounded... Yeah sounded really adventurous and cool. Um, yeah. And when we started, when I started to learn how to sail and take all the classes and all this stuff, I was like, actually, this is really interesting because it's technical. And I like the thought of, you know, being in the present, um, you have to kind of be focused. And, and I was having a difficult time with that just because my head was always spinning with work stuff, you know, so it gave me kind of this outlet. And, yeah. um, you know, as more and more of this plan took shape, I realized, wow, you know, this could really be a disaster for a couple that didn't sort of see the benefits from their, their individual perspectives, you know, together, if it were sort of like adopting someone else's adventure just because you're married to them or whatever. So I think it is important, you know, my husband and I talk about it like, wow, you know, this turned out really well for us because we're both in it, both interested in, in the boat stuff and we're both interested, have different interests, but we're both interested in it. I think that's something that's so compelling and, and you bring up a really great point, different kinds of benefits that you get. Like for instance, I'm not going to be the technical person operating the boat. You know, I know how to sail, <laughs> but he certainly, I'm going to rely on him for that, you know, so there's other things I can do. So I think it's a, really great piece of advice you give uh there are so many unsuspected aspects of this life that you can you can get so much out of um i really it's going to be very cliche i'm sorry about it but i love cooking i am french yeah. i love the cooking <laughs> and for every place that i have been at you know i learn new ingredients new recipes new wines new cocktails mm -hmm. and i just and and because we made all those amazing friends the evenings that we've had on our boat cooking delicious meals and sharing beautiful moments with amazing people i mean it's uh, it's been really incredible any other advice you want to give 
Yeah, I think that, you know, my biggest advice for anybody who wants to do that is to just take it step by step. Like it doesn't, changing life from going from a corporate job to living full-time on a sailboat, it's not a thing that is going to happen from one day to another. And it doesn't have to be a huge decision that is extremely planned. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It looks like a big commitment, but it's so much easier to look at it as as a series of small commitments, like commit to take a sailing class, commit to go to boat shows to look at boats. And then maybe one day when you feel comfortable, you can commit to buying the boat, but you don't have to take that boat out right away. You can commit to um, gain some experience. Mm -hmm. And then when you feel comfortable, you can commit to going out for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. So I think that it doesn't need to be as intimidating as it looks from the outside, it can be just a series of small commitments that lead to eventually a big life change. Mm-hmm. That's such great advice. Just take it step by step. Otherwise it just becomes overwhelming. It's like this yes. monumental change and it's like, too, it's like climbing a huge mountain, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's like asking yourselves if you need to sell all your, all your stuff or not. Yeah. It's so overwhelming. Like, yeah. God. Exactly. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, as I said, you know, your, your uh, videos are just so informative. I love the balance of the humor. And um, also, I think Ryan does a really great job explaining things. Pass <laughs> that along, you know, keep those videos coming. And, and maybe you can share with people where they can find you. And Yeah, um, well, we are on YouTube. You can just type uh, Ryan and Sophie Sailing and find us. We also have a blog. It's uh, ryanandsophie.com. When we launched it, our friends were like, what is it, your wedding website or what? Uh, <laughs> it's a true story. But everywhere, everywhere you type Ryan and Sophie Sailing, you're going you're gonna to find us. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sophie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure talking to you. And I feel so honored that you thought about me. Thank oh, you. Thanks, Sophie. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Oh.